0: I have the awesome privilege of sharing with you uh, a message from God's Word this morning. And before I jump into that, um, I just want to say thank you again uh, for being here, uh, for all that you've done. Uh, Even though we don't charge, our VBS is free and we have no charge. It's amazing how God always provides. And there's been several of you guys as people that are participating that have donated and really I haven't gone through all the finances yet but it looks like just from a couple of updates I got testimonies that man this church barely had to put any money out because you guys were so generous to us and so I just want to say thank you what a joy it is when God is in it because it's it God provides right no matter how much you give God you can't outgive him and so thank you thank you for those that have donated to help make this happen um, you guys are huge blessings I don't know if Jen mentioned you can give online different ways and you guys don't need to give anything if you're not part of this church you do not have to give us anything. But if there is anything you want to give, um, you can do it online. Or there is, is it still back there? The white pillar is back there because we don't collect with a, with a plate anymore. So if you'd like to throw anything in there, you can put it in an envelope and throw it in that white pillar in the back at any time. Um, so I just want to say thank you again for that. Um, like I said, I have the privilege of bringing the message this morning. And uh, the title of this morning's message is a little bit um, epic, like in epic proportions, like the stage and everything we do in VBS, like over the top, right? When you sing and dance, it's got to be, for kids, it's got to be big right and so I feel like the title of this message is a little big a little epic and the title is how to live your best life and um I think there's probably a zillion books written right on Amazon you can go find it I don't even do it google I'm sure there's tons that have to do with this theme of how to live your best life how to live a blessed life how to succeed how to enjoy life and um I want to instead of just waiting to the end to give you the answer can I just give you the answer up front and then I can just go home no um (laughs) How to live your best life, I do want to, I do obviously, this isn't going to be a two-minute Bible teaching for us because we're a little bit older than three-year-olds, right? We can actually have an attention span for 30 minutes, hopefully. Um, But I do want to give you up front what I believe the answer is and then maybe uh, look at it a little deeper and figure out how that applies to our life and figure out not just this general truth that we know truth, but how does it actually fit into our lives. And so um, really the answer, I think, the reason why I came with this title, I'm still stalling to give you the answer, right? Um, (laughs) Right. the answer to this question I feel like is a little bit because I'm getting older. Some of you laugh at me when I say I'm getting older, but uh, I turned 41 this last week, and man, gray hairs. I just saw someone that I haven't seen in two years, like, wow, you have a lot of gray hair, Ryan. I'm like, I know, I know, I know. Um, just something that happens when you hit 40, just like gray just comes in. But with that, God's word says that with that gray or silver hair sometimes comes wisdom, right? And so I'm not saying that I have all the wisdom, but wisdom is starting to grow on me. And I think there's, there's things that I start looking at people's lives. And the reason behind this message is that as a pastor, I see people who are not living their best life. I see people who are struggling, who are hurting, who have made poor choices, or are struggling with something that happened to them. It wasn't their own choice, but something came into their life, and they're struggling. And I'm saying, ah, oh, I wish I could give you some of my wisdom. I wish I could give you some knowledge that I've gained, not that I've arrived yet, but I've, I've learned something. I've walked the Lord for 30 plus years, right? And so I've gained something in those years. I've been a pastor for a few years now, and I've got something. I don't have it all figured out. And I, and I guess for me, I wanted to be careful how I said this, because... This could easily get twisted and sound like I'm full of pride and arrogance, which there is pride and arrogance. I mean, we all have to work on that. But I'm saying this next statement based off of my desire for you to live your best life. But I wouldn't want to trade my life for any of yours any day. I love my life. I love my life because I'm the luckiest guy in the whole world. Maybe I I married the the most beautiful woman in the room, right? I got good, four healthy kids. I was born in a good Christian home. I had a lot of things that I didn't determine. They just were given to me. I understand that. But all the reason why I think I have the best life is not just because things were given to me. It's because of how I want to share with you today that you can live your best life that no matter what your situation is, no matter what your upbringing, no matter what difficulties are going in your life, I mean, this is kind of like a self, self-help. This isn't even a sermon yet. I haven't been getting to the scripture, really. But really, you, you think about people, that are, they're born into poverty. They're born into a third-world country. You see people rise to success. How do they do that? How do it's the same people that are born, I mean, one of my uh, good friends growing up, right? Pastor's kid, different things going on, and, and their life is difficult right now, and they're not enjoying life. And I say, man, how did we grow up together And his life is not going great, and my life is incredible. It's because I was born in a better family? No, it's nothing to do with that. And it's not arrogance because I'm so much better, I made better choices. No, it comes down to this, what the wisest man to ever live in the whole world says. Right? Sunday School Trivia, who was the wisest man to ever live? Solomon. Solomon, King Solomon. Right? Right? He asked for wisdom, and God just poured out wisdom on this man. And not only did he become the most wisest man ever on the earth, it says he became the wealthiest man in finances, in riches, in actual monetary wealth, but he became the richest in everything, in favor. Every other country wanted to come visit this guy. How are you ruling this kingdom? How are you so prosperous? And the favor of God and the favor of man was all over him. Everything he touched turned to gold. He was like King Midas in a sense, right? Everything was going for him. And he wrote a lot of the Proverbs, right? He wrote, gave us tons of wisdom, wrote Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. But at Ecclesiastes, he writes this whole book and towards the end of his life, he says, all right, the very end of the book, Ecclesiastes 12, 13. I've, I've told you about everything. I've done everything there is under the sun. And let me summarize it to you. Ecclesiastes twelve thirteen says this. Here now is my final conclusion. Fear God and obey his commands. Amen. You want to live your best life? Fear God and obey His commands. And I'll connect it to this whole week of VBS. What does it mean to fear God? Trust Jesus. What does it mean to obey God? It means there's times where it does not make sense in your own logic, but you choose to obey and trust Him rather than try to figure out in your own mind. I get to share with you this morning, like I said, how to live your best life. I get to share with you, I said, VBS week is one of my favorites. If you walked in through the foyer, I don't know if you could see it through all the trees and decorations, but on the wall is one of my favorite life verses, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your steps or direct your paths. There's this idea of trusting. The idea of trusting means that you fear God. You recognize there's a God of creation who knows what's best, and you submit to him. I have my ways of thinking, but God's ways of thinking are higher than my ways. And I'm not going to understand it. I love that it doesn't just, uh, Solomon wrote both. Solomon wrote, just fear God, obey his commandments. But then he also wrote Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, where for me that kind of gives some more definition. Meaning trust God, meaning fear God, trust him. Don't lean on your own understanding. When things don't make sense, trust him. Even maybe more definitionally when things aren't going good in your life, and you begin to wonder, to me, the number one question in life that I get as a pastor from people who are trying to figure out, well, how, how can you say there's a God? And how can you worship a God? And because the number one question comes up to is, if God is all loving and all powerful, then why is there so much evil and pain and heartache in my life? Why doesn't he stop that? I mean, if he's all powerful and he's all loving, why doesn't he step in and make that, make that not happen? Because in my understanding, if God was good, he wouldn't allow this to happen. But here comes the wisest man saying, You know what? You will never figure out all of your life. You were never, God never promises to answer the wise. God, why? I don't mean to keep bringing it up, but even these last two years, man, I had a lot of family members my sister, my brother in law, one of our spiritual moms here. A lot of people just started passing away. And inevitably, I think those questions happen in our life when things that are difficult happen. We say, Why, God? Why would you let this horrible thing happen? God doesn't seem to always answer my why questions. But he does send often to answer the what question. Okay, God, then then what am I supposed to do with this? I am in pain. I'm in heartache. What am I supposed to do? Trust me. (laughs) That seems like a flippant easy answer. But if you want to live your best life, it's that simple. Trust God. Trust him. When things don't look good and don't look right and aren't the way that you would want them to be, can you trust that God is good? Can you trust that he has a plan, even though it seems like the enemy came in and ruined everything? Can you trust, this is what we say often here at Osborne, that if it isn't good yet, God's not done yet. I get that phrase, if it isn't good yet, God's not done yet. I get it from Romans chapter 8, I'm giving you my favorites. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, my favorite verse in the Bible. Romans 8, probably my favorite chapter in the Bible. It says this in Romans 8, it says that God works together all things for good. For those who love him, those who trust him, those who obey him. You're going to live your best life because God is going to work it all together for good. Even the evil, even what the enemy meant for harm, he's going to turn it around and bring it into good into your life but it's if you trust him. If you're not gonna trust him, if you're not gonna obey him, you're not gonna live your best life. It it isn't promised that everything is gonna work together for good if you aren't gonna trust him. So the wisest man in all the earth, he says, this is the most important thing. You wanna live your best life, just trust God. That's the theme we've been having all week long is trust Jesus. So giving you this idea, this analogy, I want to ask, I might be out of order in my slides, so thank you, Jonathan, for being willing to follow wherever I go. Um, but I have a question for you. It might seem like a random question. Are you a 4x4 truck or a train car? No! That's not the right answer this time. That's normally my question. My answer is yes. I was thinking about trains, right? We have trains everywhere. And I was thinking about a train and things I like and don't like and I'll share the things I don't like about a train. I live a couple hundred, 140 years after the train was invented. For me, the train is too slow. If I wanna travel somewhere, I wanna fly there. I wanna get there as fast as possible, right? For me, if I had a choice to drive in a four by four truck, or sit in a train, I'll pick the four-by-truck any day. I wanna go where I wanna go. I wanna be in control. I wanna drive wherever I want. I don't wanna be stuck on a, on a railroad. I wanna go wherever I wanna go. In fact, I don't know if anyone that followed me these last, I don't know, nine years that I worked at AT&T, I used to take pictures of my office view. I think I have one of my pictures of an office view where I used to drive a four-by-four truck for AT&T and go fix cell sites up in the mountains. And this is what I love. I love getting off the beaten path and going wherever this 4x4 truck could take me in you know, the dirt roads over mountains, I love that. I love being a four being a 4x4. I hate. I don't know. This is bad. Europeans love their trains, right? I've met, I've been, I've stayed in European households um, that they didn't even own a car. Like, why would we buy a car? That's a waste of money. You just take a train everywhere, right? I'm an American, and not only am I an American, I'm a Los Angelen. I'm not even a New York, right? New York, they still love their trains. Los Angeles, I love my freedom. Let me drive, let me be in control, right? That's what I love. But I just shared with you all my dislikes about the train. Are you a four by four truck or are you a train car? Not even get to be the engine, but just a car that gets pulled by the engine. See, this is why I think I do like this idea of a train all week long. Is because the idea is that I don't get to be in control. If I want to live my best life, it seems like this would be the best idea. Do whatever I want to do. Freedom, right? That's my best life. But God's word keeps saying, oh, no, I'm supposed to trust Jesus. And he gets to be the engine, and I get to just follow him. Wait, follow him? And so then I started looking at Romans chapter 8. Like I said, my favorite chapter in the whole Bible. And I just looked at a few words. I, I think I have a slide for just a few words that popped out at me as I was studying for this message. And here's some words you find in Romans chapter 8 that probably don't have as much to do with driving a 4x4, four four, but more like being a train car. It says, Led by, follows, joined to, moved by, controlled by, belongs to, walks accordingly dominated by, governed by, obligation to, according to, subjected to. This was my favorite chapter in the Bible? <laughs> and this is what it's saying. If you want to live your best life, you don't get to lead. You get to follow. Oh, what? I'm subject to? I have to be governed by? See, this is the lie of the enemy from day one in the Garden of Eden. The enemy came, that crafty serpent, and came to Adam and Eve who were living in complete freedom, in complete paradise. They had all authority on earth. They got to have dominion and subdue the earth. They had everything going for them, no sin, everything going for them. And what did the enemy do? He came and began to speak a lie to them and said, God just wants to control you. He knows that if you ate from that one thing you can't do, you can do anything you want in the whole world, there's one thing you can't do. God's trying to control you. He's trying to limit you. He wants you to have no fun. It would be more fun to do what you want. I mean, it looks good, doesn't it, to eat that, that fruit from that tree? It would give you wisdom. It give you knowledge. There's good. I mean, it looks good. It says that in the scripture that it looked appetizing. It's the same devil today. He tells us, oh, there's so much more freedom outside of religion. Oh my goodness, religion? It's just a handicap. It's a crutch. It's slowing you down. Why would you do that? But for me, anyone who says that has never actually been connected to Jesus. Because when you're connected to Jesus, it's actually, Scripture points it out, there is freedom in Christ. It's for freedom that you've been set free. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Wait a second, I thought I was free outside of Christ. No, he's saying actually you don't know it, you're deceived, you're a slave to sin. If you are not connected to Jesus Christ, definitionally, you are a slave to sin. I'm saying this, yes, with salvation, going to heaven, that's a big thing, but I want to point out a few things that it's not just about salvation. I think a lot of us in this room, you are saved. You've got your ticket to heaven, but my goal as a pastor is not just to get everybody a ticket to heaven. My goal is for you to live your best life. But to actually to enjoy it, I I man, I getting even a little bit emotional. Being the youth pastor here for a few years, I can remember counseling with youth, and they'd be in high school and they'd be meeting with me and they would tell me, Pastor, I hate my life. I hate my parents, I hate my school, I hate my body, I hate everything about my life. I can't wait till I'm out of high school and I can get out of this town and get out of my family and go live my own life. And can I tell you, it would break my heart. First and foremost, the thought came to my mind, high school was one of my favorite times in life, and I saw how the enemy robbed them of their joy. It's like, oh, man. For me, that was the most freedom and the least amount of responsibility, right? I didn't have to pay taxes. I didn't have to pay insurance. My parents paid my car insurance. Like, I didn't have to do anything, but I got to do whatever I wanted. I loved high school. That's where I met my wife was in high school, right? Things were going for me in high school. And I would see these kids, and just the enemy had robbed them of their life. And you could say, well, pastor, maybe they had really bad parents and you didn't. But I'm telling you, it has nothing to do with what happens to you externally. Solomon says it, the wisest man says, it has nothing to do with what was done to you. It's what you decide to do. Do you decide to become a train car? and actually connect to Jesus and let him decide what to do with your life. And that seems so limiting. It seems so freedom. I'm losing my freedom. But it says, no, actually, there is great freedom in Christ. There's enjoyment of life because we were designed by God to follow him. We were not designed to do whatever we want. I think about Adam and Eve in the garden. And we talk about how they disobeyed God. Another way, maybe it's the same thing, but you say the opposite. They didn't just disobey God, they obeyed the devil. See, most of us, we just want to say, I don't want to be subject to anybody. I'm my own man. The reality is, you're serving somebody. All of us are serving somebody. We don't don't get to choose that. You might think that you're serving yourself, but no. There's only two masters. One is a deceiver that makes you think you're having fun, right? I I guess that's what I'm saying. I look at these kids' life as a pastor, a lead pastor. I've met with adults now. And I'm like, oh, man, you're missing out on life. You're saved. You got your ticket to heaven. But if you just learn how to trust Jesus in this, believe that he's actually good and he has a plan. And so I want to look at three things super quick because we got to go through these really fast. But in Romans 8, I'm going to do a crash course of Romans 8, my favorite chapter in the Bible. Romans 8, verse 1. Says this, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, those who are joined to, those who are connected or led by, or are following, or subject or governed, all those words. Those that are following Christ, there is therefore now no condemnation. What does that mean, condemnation? Guilt, shame, depression, anxiety, fear, worry. When I'm, connect, when I'm truly trusting Jesus and he is my hope and stay, when I'm, just, I'm on fire for the Lord, it does not matter if he leads me through a valley of the shadow of death. My life is still good. I can fear no evil. No evil whatsoever because he's with me and he comforts me and I'm following him. He's the lead. So if he's leading me through that valley, then that's what's best for me. I don't have to understand it. I just have to trust him. It's what's best for me. But see, so many of us, we think God is taking us through a valley of the shadow of death when really it's just the consequences of our sin. And I'm saying, sometimes we get so confused on what our life is, and I'm saying, if you just got in alignment with Jesus, oh, I love, I'm, I'm quoting Psalm 23 a whole lot, I guess, this morning. Because I guess for me it's, it's that same idea of being a train car and he's the engine. It's the same thing as being a sheep and he's my shepherd. Wherever he leads, I follow. I know my shepherd's voice. And when I follow him, sometimes he leads me through a valley. But his purpose is to take me to still waters and to green pastures, to put a banqueting table before me in the presence of my enemies. That surely goodness and mercy are gonna follow me all the days of my life. See, this is how I view my life. And I, I was praying this doesn't come across as arrogant. But I look at my life and I see it's not just a consequence of my good decisions. It's God's goodness and his mercy that have followed me every day of my life. Every day I choose to align with him and to trust him, his goodness and mercy just flood my life. And I am loving life. There are days, I'm not telling you my life is perfect, there are days where I don't feel that way. And all the more, I have to press in and say, Jesus, I need to trust you even more today. I need to see your goodness in the land of the living. Right now, I'm seeing a whole bunch of evil. I'm seeing a whole bunch of pain. I'm seeing a whole bunch of these things. God, help me get my eyes on you. Because as my eyes are fixed on you, Jesus, the cares and the sorrows of this world, they grow strangely dim. And I begin to enjoy life, right? In his presence is fullness of joy. At his right hand are pleasures evermore. So I love this. Romans 8, 1 says he removes guilt. He removes shame. He removes sin from our life. That Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He takes away my sin. So when I connect to him, all that guilt and shame of my wrongdoing, all my inadequacies, man, can I tell you I am not qualified to be a pastor. I am not qualified to stand here and preach the word of God. On my own, I have nothing to give you. But praise God, he removes all that shame and that guilt and those thoughts that I'm not good enough. He begins to remove those as I just trust him. Yeah. But I love that. That's the very first verse in Romans 8. Now towards the middle, Romans 8.14. So he removes things that don't belong in my life. And the Romans 8.14, the same idea of being connected to him, says this. For all who are led by, again, followed, connected like a train, moved by, subjected to the spirit of God, are children of God. So he doesn't just remove things. He adds things to our life. I love the first time I ever heard someone talk about some big Christianese words. Um, They talked about how um, we can uh, uh, be absolved from our sin, right? That we can be uh, forgiven. And this idea is awesome. I'll put it this way. I'll make it more simple. Who here like me has at least one form of debt. You have credit card debt, you'll have a car payment, you have a mortgage, you owe the bank money, at some point you gotta owe somebody something money. All right, it's good, I'm not alone. What if today I told you I got a check right here and I will pay all your debts, (laughs) right? Man, that would feel good to owe nothing, to have a bank account where there is no negative. Oh man, that would feel so good, I would love that. But I love that Romans 8 verse 1 kind of says that. Now Romans 8:14 is saying, actually, if you're connected to Jesus, he not only forgives you for all your debt, it's like having a bank account and removing all the debt. And then 8.14 says, actually, I'm gonna put in all of the righteousness of God inside of your account. Everything that Jesus in his perfect sinless life that he accomplished, all the favor and the credit and the love that he gets from his heavenly father, I'm gonna put into your account. Scripture says that, that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. If we're connected to Him, then we are children of God, heirs. Read Romans 8. We're heirs to the throne. It almost seems to me sacrilegious to say that. But Scripture teaches that I get an equal inheritance as Jesus Christ, the Son of God. I don't, that's not my plan. I would not do that. I don't deserve that. But Scripture says everything the Father wants to give to His only begotten Son. He gives to me. Praise the Lord. Thank you. I'm seated at the right hand of God. I lack no good thing. You, Jesus says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, and then He gives it to His disciples, He gives it to the church. Amen. So, yes, you're removed your sin, your guilt, your shame, depression, the things the enemy tries to attach to your life. He washes those and He renews a right spirit. And he restores the joy of your salvation. So he imparts things to you. He removes things. He imparts to you. And then i got to wrap this up quick, right? The very last few verses of, the, of Romans 8, 39, says this. The question becomes, it says, who shall separate us from the love of God? And it says this, nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. If I am connected to Jesus as a train, I'm connected there's nothing that's separating me. Nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing. No demon, no external thing that comes to mind. No bad parent, no prodigal child, no bad employer, no sin that I've even committed can separate me from the love of God. Because I'm in Christ. I've chosen to trust him and obey him. It's the best kind of life you can ever live. Huh. Man, All right. If Daniel can come up and just maybe play a, in the background. We always end every Sunday morning asking the question, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? I ran through, I had so many other things. I actually, I didn't even open my iPad. I had tons of notes, never got to any of them. Um, so many things I wanted to share, but really what it came down to is I'm trying to share my heart with you. I'm sharing with you my favorite things, my favorite verse in all of Scripture, my favorite chapter in the whole Bible, that I love my life and I wish I could give it to you. I wish you could taste and have life overflowing. That's what Jesus says. I came that you might have life and life to the full, not just getting by, not just hanging on, not just, oh, I barely got through today. No, he actually wants you, Romans 8 says, to be more than a conqueror through Christ, to actually overcome every problem, every trial, every negative thing that's happened, something that's in your life right now. I guess that's what I'm saying. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? Maybe there's someone in this room that you need to connect to Jesus for the first time. Maybe there's some of you that you've been derailed. And today's the day of salvation. Today's the day that you're gonna put your trust and hope in the Lord again. And you're gonna get back on track. With the Lord. Oh, there's power in that. Some of you, that's the word of the Lord to you this morning. Talking about trains, today's the day that you get your life back on track. Stop being a rogue four by four. Just trust Jesus. Trust Jesus. Not a silly kid DBS statement. It's what the Holy Spirit is saying to you this morning. Would you just trust me? Trust me with your life. Trust me that I have good plans for your life. Plans to prosper you, to give you a future and a hope. I'm going to say there's a third person. There might be someone who needs your life to Christ for the first time. Some of you need to get back on track. I'm going to say there's a third person. Maybe you're following Christ. You know you're saved. But the Holy Spirit is saying something to you specific. There's a specific area of your life that the Holy Spirit is calling you out. And he's saying, in this specific thing, can you trust me? I tailor-made a message, I brought you here today for such a time as this to hear this message just for you, for this specific situation. He loves you enough to call you out. God's word is that double-edged sword that it pierces, but it also heals, it's double-edged. It convicts. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He doesn't condemn and say, you loser, you messed up too bad. No, actually, you can never mess up too bad. The Holy Spirit is wooing you, saying, let me convict you where you need to trust me and you haven't been. And let me restore to you the joy of salvation. Let me me help you live the best life possible. So I'm going to ask you, we're all going to stand in just a second and sing a song to close service. But before we all stand, if the Holy Spirit's speaking to you, again, you need to give your life to Christ the first time. Maybe you need to get your life back on track and reconnect with Jesus. Or the Holy Spirit is saying something specific. There's a specific area that you know the Holy Spirit is calling you out this morning. And this is not to lay guilt. This is to celebrate with you that today is a day of salvation. Saving you from that anxiety, that condemnation, and giving you freedom again. Life again in that area. If that's you, would you be bold enough to stand before we all stand? Just go ahead and stand. I'm going to say it one more time. If that's you, you know the Holy Spirit is tugging on your heart and you're not sure. This is a safe place. Just stand. we're all going to pray real quick. Lord, I stand here as well. And I confess that I've been like a four-by-four truck. There's areas of my life that I have not yielded to you. Some of it in part because I'm fearful that you're going to take away joy. You're going to take something that I enjoy away from me. But God, today... I say that I'm sorry, and I was wrong. Will you please forgive me? I put my trust in you today. I choose to this day get my life on track. Not only will you never separate from me, God, you will never leave me. You'll never forsake me. But God, today I make a commitment. I make a fresh commitment today that I will never again separate myself from you in this area. I'm going to trust you, Jesus. From now on, from today forward, I'm trusting Jesus. And God, I thank you that I don't deserve it in this decision, but your word promises it, and I believe it in my heart. Trust is just belief. With faith, I believe that from this day forward, your goodness and your mercy are going to follow me all the days of my life. I'm going to taste goodness. I'm going to enjoy life. I'm going to be a blessing to others because I know how blessed I am. I'm going to stop wallowing in guilt and shame and listening to the lies of the enemy. From this day forward, I am set free. I'm no longer a slave to sin. I'm a child of God. So we thank you for your promises. We thank you for your word. We give you our lives. In Jesus' mighty name, Amen. Would you all stand with me as we sing this last song? We sang it with the kids, but I want to encourage you. The same Spirit who rose Jesus from the grave lives and dwells in you. If you are connected to Jesus, the same power lives in you to live your best life. So would you sing this song declaring that we live fully alive, that we are living our best life. Amen.